0: Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, B.C. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm ready for baptisms. I've got my baptism shirt on, and uh, this is... I already have been asked a couple times, where can I get one of those shirts? Aren't these cool shirts that our team made for our baptism candidates? And... um, and you can get one, too, when you get baptized. So there you go. There's a little, a little extra incentive. But um, we're grateful today to celebrate the new creations in Christ that God continues to make among us. Wow, are we ever blessed to be able to celebrate new life, hey? Are we ever blessed uh, to just have face-to-face witness of the fact that God still changes lives. Amen? I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just really encouraged. So I'll, I'll preach fast so we can get to the party, okay? Um, We're in a series. It's called The Father's Heart. Last week, we heard a great message from Pastor Lucas about um, a famous verse, a famous uh, sort of foundational Christian verse from John 3, verse 16. Um, It tells us the story of God's love for us, and that love sent Jesus, and as a result, we can be rescued uh, from a a life that leads to death and have a new creation kind of life that leads to everlasting life. So we're grateful for that. Today, I want to talk about the Father's heart. Um, That was a picture of the Father's love from the Father's heart. Today, I want to talk about the Father's heart of compassion heart of compassion, and we're going to discover God's heart of compassion in a a really gripping story. It's maybe one of the most gripping stories that Jesus ever told. We know it as the story of the Good Samaritan, Um, but it was never called that by Jesus. He didn't call it the Good Samaritan. He just told a story about an unlikely hero, a Samaritan, he told this story to a Jew. The Jews and Samaritan, they had bad blood between one another. And a Jew would never acknowledge that a Samaritan was doing something good. In fact, they would be much more comfortable with the Samaritans being the villain in the story, not the hero. And so Jesus speaks to a religious leader, an expert in the law, the Bible says. And he speaks to him a story to help us really understand the compassion in the heart of God. And so whenever we look at stories like this, we'll see a surface level application, okay? And in the surface level application, we're gonna see how important it is for us to be people who care about others, who get involved, who make a difference, who love people well and help them in times of need. But on the deeper level, what we're gonna see is how God's heart of compassion worked in bringing us redemption Through his son, Jesus. And so even as Jesus tells the story, he tells the story so that we can see the surface meaning. And if we look carefully, we'll see the deeper meaning as well. So I'm really thrilled to share this story with you. We're going to start reading in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And we'll set it up this way. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. That was his motive, testing Jesus, to make sure that he said what he should say. Teacher! he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this was a question that came to Jesus in a number of different ways, in a number of different places in your Bible. You would find this this question being asked him, and Jesus answers with a story. But before he answers with a story, he gives the standard answer, the answer that he would give over and over again to those who would ask him. You know, keep the Ten Commandments, do what's right. In this case, he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so when Jesus gave that sort of standard answer, love your neighbor as yourself, beyond loving God, love your neighbor as yourself, then the testing continued from the mouth of the expert in the law. Let's read on. Verse 29. But he, the expert in the law, wanted to justify himself... So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Well, that's a very theoretical question, isn't it? And in rabbi school, right, uh, around the tables of the, the scribes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they would discuss things like this. Who actually is my neighbor? In the early service, I had a couple of my physical neighbors here. But who is my neighbor? Is it larger than that? Is it bigger than that? And it was a question to continue the testing of Jesus. Who's my neighbor? Who am I actually responsible for? If I'm supposed to love this person, well, I should know who they are, Jesus. You define it. Who's my neighbor? And so Jesus blows their minds with his genius and and cuts to their hearts with his compassion. Let's read the story together and let God speak to us in a fresh way. In reply, Jesus said, And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35. The next day he took out two denarii, which is enough for two months' stay in the inn. And gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. This is where the story ends. But let's read what Jesus then does in addressing the question. He looks back to the expert in the law. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. You know, uh, there's that that last little bit, let's talk about it for just a second. One thing I find very interesting is that the expert in the law couldn't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He said, the one, the one who showed mercy. That's how deep the animosity ran. And, And so Jesus really challenged their paradigm by making the Samaritan the hero in the story. But the command is very clear. You go and do likewise. You move beyond just your good intentions into good action. You go and do likewise. And in this, we begin to see the Father's heart of compassion. Because the Father's heart says, compassion is good, but it must lead to action. Compassion has to go somewhere. It must lead to action, so in this story, we really meet three types of people on this ancient road. And, and in, in reality, these represent three types of people that we meet in our own lives. And may I, may I even say, at different times, we are these varied people on this story, in this story. The hurting, the hurtful, and the healer. The hurting, the hurtful, and the healer. And that's the way life goes. Let's look at it together for just a minute. Let me let me take you to the idea of this one that was hurting. The hurting. Who is this man? Laying half dead on the road? The truth is we have no idea. We don't know. He's nameless. He's faceless. He's colorless. He's raceless. There's no nationality, no language, no cultural um, understanding, no level of knowledge or ignorance, no, no, no indication of his age, young or old, rich or poor. We know very little about him. All we know is this, that he was robbed and he was beaten and he was left for dead. And I think this was intentional And the reason why I think that is because he was left nameless because he represents all of us. We can find ourselves in the story. And the truth is, no matter where your life is at this very moment, all of us have had hurt in our lives. At various times, we're the ones that are actually the hurt ones. We're the ones who have been damaged or bruised or neglected or taken advantage of. We're the ones. And it may not all be the same kind of hurt, but we've all experienced pain. Maybe even today, someone's facing financial pain. The pressure is on. The the job isn't there. The finances aren't coming together for us. The interest rates are rising. It's pain. Maybe it's physical pain of a bad diagnosis or chronic pain in your life. Maybe it's the pain of humiliation, the embarrassment of something that's gone terribly wrong and maybe even gone public. Maybe it's the pain of loneliness where we just feel as though we we live our lives in isolation and that is deeply painful. Maybe it's the pain of spiritual regret, decisions and choices that we have made that have left our faith shipwrecked. But you know, the truth is, sometimes our pain is because of what others have done. Because people have hurt us, wounded us, robbed from us, stolen from us. Sometimes it's just a matter of circumstance. The wind, the rain, the, the weather, the pain. There's, just, there's no one to blame, but it just is. But there's other times where we have to say, this pain is because of my choice. Sometimes our pain is a result of our own choices, and when we look at this story, there, there would be a case to be made that this one who was beaten and robbed had it coming. The road between Jerusalem and Jericho was notorious. It was a dangerous road that had hairpin turns. It had switchbacks and sharp descents, and, and there were remote mountains where bandits would wait, lying in wait for the helpless. Anyone who traveled this road would never do it at night and never do it alone. You would go in a caravan and you would hope for the best. So, did this man wander there in ignorance? Or was it in defiance of the danger? I don't know. I don't know. For whatever reason, we don't understand why he was there, but I do know how easy it is to look at someone else's circumstance and say they had it coming. They deserved what they got. This is a result of their own choices. They've got no one to blame but themselves. And, and truly, when we stand Back and see a situation that for us seems so clear that this is a result of their choice, it makes us feel better about not getting involved. But let me ask you a question. When it is your fault, when there is no one else to blame but yourself, does that make the pain easier or harder? I wonder if compassion begins to kick in for us when we think about how much more difficult it actually is when it's your fault. You know, if I am wounded or or pained or damaged because of something noble that I have done that was sacrificial on behalf of my country, on behalf of the vulnerable, on behalf of the needy, then even in my pain, there is something honorable to look at. But when it's just a series of terrible choices, and the only thing I have to go with my pain is regret, friends, I want you to know it's much worse. It's much worse. And the Father's heart of compassion calls us, calls us to be the kind of people who say, you know what, I think God's heart of compassion is for the hurting, full stop. When people are hurting, God's heart is there. For some of us, we bleed internally. Our pain is unseen. For others, it's obvious to everyone. But regardless, let's remember this, the Father's heart is a heart of compassion for the hurting. Now, let's take a minute, let's talk about the hurtful, the ones who cause the pain. Let's, let's take just a moment here. Talk about those who wound others. And I really think they can be put into two categories. The ones who do the hurting, that is. There are those who hurt others actively. Now, let's talk about that for just a minute. Like the robbers, the ones who took advantage, thought firstly of themselves, and, 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 and used the vulnerable for their own means, for their own benefit. When we look at that, we would say that's heartless, that's evil, that's wrong. And we would have a really difficult time seeing our reflection in their actions. But let me just challenge this for a moment as I felt the Lord challenge me. That in truth, there are many times that we take advantage of one another. And it happens in a number of different scenarios. And again, I'm not projecting anything upon anyone, but this I do know. Business is notorious for taking advantage of the vulnerable. Hey, business is business, some would say, as they take advantage of the ignorance or of the vulnerability of someone else. Maybe that's a bit remote for you, but the truth is we have a tendency through gossip to actively damage many people around us. We chew up others as though their circumstance or their story are our feast. And the truth is, we never feast alone. And so I think if we're careful, we might see that even in ourselves, we can be made guilty as being the ones who hurt actively. But enough about that. Let's look for a moment at those who hurt passively. Because I would say this is maybe the most dangerous and potentially the most relevant to each of us. Those who hurt passively, like the priest and the Levite, those in our story, that when they saw the man, they walked on the other side. Their reaction actually was very similar to the robbers. The priest and the Levite thought of themselves first, just like the robbers. Maybe they were legitimately fearing for their own safety because often you could use a wounded man as bait to bring others close so that they too could be robbed and damaged so i'll stay away on the other side of things maybe it's just about not wanting to get involved because it just is inconvenient to get involved that's going to cost me a lot of time and who's got time for that it's like the guy you drive by who's um, uh, on the side of the road with a flat tire. Our hearts are so compassionate. We go, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> right? Absolutely. It, it, it's true. It happens to us. It's, it's, it's part of life. I just can't get involved. I'm too busy. I can hear the priest and the Levite and their internal uh, dialogue. I'm not out here on this road for a walk. I don't have all day. I have appointments to meet. I'm helping people somewhere else. And if I stop and help this guy, I won't get to them. If I stop and help this guy, it could cost me all day. And if this guy who's half dead happens to die, now I'm unclean and can't go to the temple for a week. I'm just going to stay away because I love you, God. It's quite interesting how we can... Adjust the reality for our own circumstance. And the thing that I noticed in the scripture is that Jesus often gives special attention and special warning to us in times of passivity. All the way back to the garden where Adam stood beside Eve as she ate of the fruit, passivity has been present in our lives. Jesus talks about the one that didn't go work in the vineyard, about the one who didn't come to the banquet, about the one who simply hid his talent in the ground and his rebuke was harsh. Why? Why was he so concerned about these kind of things? This is why. Because this is what spoils the potential of many. We simply say, I just don't. I didn't do anything I didn't get involved. It was my favorite play at school when I was getting in trouble. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. And I got so good at it, I worked on my, I'm the youngest of four boys, I worked on my face. Have you ever seen that face, that face of great innocence because I didn't do anything? It kind of looks like this. I would do that all the time at home. And There's a sound effect that goes with it. It's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And you go, ah. Oh, and then you got if you add this one, you really get, ah, oh, ah, oh. I simply didn't do anything. Many of us live of a, of a verse model of the golden rule. You see, Jesus taught the golden rule in Matthew 7, verse 12. And he says, do to others what you would have them do to you. It's active, And yet, the Father's heart of compassion calls us to an active love, not a passive hurt. But for many of us, we live an inverted, passive version of the golden rule that says this don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Do you see the challenge? Do you see the problem? For us, it's about, I didn't do anything, but in this lesson, Jesus is teaching us that neglect leads to ruin. Uh, Think about it. You want to ruin something? Just neglect it. That's all you have to do. Just don't do anything. You want a ruined yard? Just neglect it. You want a ruined child? Just neglect it. You want a ruined marriage? Just neglect it. You want a ruined health? Just neglect it. You want to ruin church? Just neglect it. Are you hearing me today? You see, neglect leads to ruin. And things will be ruined by simply doing nothing. And so Jesus hits this straight on. Challenging us. Us. To reconsider how we view this. You know, and I I want to be compassionate. Because I know how it feels. Sometimes you're just tired Sometimes it's just too much. We can get to compassion fatigue, can't we? It's like my dog, my poor dog. He should be walked every day, but sometimes I'm tired. Any other confessions in here about neglected dogs? You know, the thing about my dog, though, is he has these huge eyes. And when I don't walk him, he sits at my feet like this. And those huge eyes bore into my soul. It hurts. I'm like, ow, stop looking at me like that. I literally have to put a shield up to block it. And then he moves. I'm just tired. I don't want to take you out. Sometimes we're tired. But one of the things that I've seen is sometimes we feel like we're off duty. It's like, oh, no, I gave it the office, right? I, you know, when I'm at church, I'm, I'm here. I'm on duty. But if I see you in the grocery store, I'm off duty. <laughs> and sometimes we feel like we're on duty Christians. And sometimes we feel like we're off duty Christians. And I think the Lord wants to challenge that in terms of how do we live that, consistence, that consistency in our lives I just want to be compassionate because I understand there are times where we need a break. Sometimes we can't, but other times it's not about whether we can or can't. Sometimes we just need a fresh example of the Father's heart of compassion for the world and let it fuel our efforts. And then we get to this third type of person in the story, the healer the one who did something. In our story, this is the Samaritan, and he reveals the healing heart of God. I want to reread the little portion that has the Samaritan in it with you. It's from Luke 10, and we're going to read 34 and 35. I just want you to once again see, imagine being in the crowd. Imagine seeing the expert in the law who had this real disdain for the Samaritans. All of them did. And Jesus speaking about him with, with such heroic um, actions as this. He went to him. And bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two months of stay and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. I'll reimburse you. Not him. When he gets better, he can pay you. I'll Hey, I'll pay whatever's left. This is compassion and action. This is truly good. His goodness wasn't passive. His goodness was active. When he saw this man, he had the exact opposite response of the others, didn't he? The others thought of themselves first, and as a result, they robbed, they beat, and they neglected. But the Samaritan thought first of the man and didn't think of himself at all, was completely inconvenienced. And the thing that I'd like to point out is that there's no indication that this Samaritan had more time, had more oil and wine, had more money than any of the others. But there's one thing for sure, he had more compassion. That's the challenge for us today. Compassion. It's present in the Father's heart. Let it be present in us as well. And maybe your view of God has been tainted, has been shaped somehow by being taken advantage or or those who thought of themselves. But I want you to know this for sure, that Jesus used this story to make it crystal clear that abuse and neglect does not represent the heart of God the Father. Compassion does. Compassion does. So now let's bring it in for a landing. Go back with me to verse 34. It says this. It says that the Samaritan went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And in this display, in this example, we see Jesus... Jesus brings himself into the story. Why? Because the Father's heart of compassion sent him and he came to us. And more than just coming to us, he offers us healing. And more than offering us healing, he literally pours himself out for us. Are you thankful? Are you thankful for your loving God? And your gracious Savior. Let's pray together. Lord, this is such a day of celebration. And we're about to celebrate with great joy in our hearts many, many, many who have experienced the joy of receiving the Father's heart. And so we join them today and we say thank you for your heart of love. And today we say thank you for your heart of compassion. We receive both the thankfulness of a God who would come to us and heal us and pour his life out for us, and we also receive the challenge today to be like the Good Samaritan, like our Jesus, to be one who heals, that we would love with acts of compassion. And so, Jesus, we receive your challenge today. We will go and do likewise. But, Lord, there may be someone here today who hears this beautiful story and finds the compassion of God in the person of Jesus and feels compelled to be drawn near. I pray for that one that today might be saying, thank you, Jesus, for coming to me today. Thank you, Lord, for your healing touch. Thank you that you have poured your life out for me, and I receive you today for myself. For Lord Jesus, your act of compassion, your life poured out for us was so that we might be saved. So I pray for the one today who's turning to you. Draw them, Lord. Draw them gently toward you. And for all of us, we receive the full blessing of this incredible story. It's gripping and life-changing, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank